0: All right, folks, how are you getting on? Thanks for tuning in to this UUSU Leadership Podcast. Today, we'll be sitting down to have a conversation about four key skills every leader should have with PwC. I certainly haven't met all of you, but I know someone who has, and that is Chris Shannon. So Chris, what should listeners expect from today's podcast?
1: So today uh, we'll be hearing from leaders from PWC, our sponsors of the PWC Leadership Program. Nice. <laughs> and uh, we'll be hearing how they have experienced some of the key challenges that come within a leadership role. Uh, we've been discussing this throughout the course um, of the leadership program. and today is really an, an opportunity to hear that in action and, and also take away some key bits of advice that they could that the students on the program might be able to implement in, in their own lives at the moment, in their own student leadership roles, but also in the future. Uh, when it comes to that time unbelievable Chris you ready I'm ready here we go
0: you're listening to also university's leadership development program brought to you by PwC my name is Matthew Thompson and today I'm joined by Louise Broderick Joanne Corey and Adam Bell really hope that you enjoy into the nitty-gritty details about these four main leadership skills we're talking about today. I think it would be really great for all of us kind of just to get to know the people behind the voices. So we're going to start with what is no doubt the most difficult question you can ever be asked and that is tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Um, So I'm Joanne Corey, I'm manager in student recruitment team in PwC. Um, so a bit about me, um, I've been working in the firm for nearly eight years Wow. Um, a bit of a funny background and how I joined the firm. So I studied at Ulster University, uh, graduated in 2006 and um, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Did sports studies, thought I was going to do PE teaching. and did go and do that for four years. Um, wasn't really happy with what I was doing. And I thought, right, I need to sort myself out. I'm now 24 (laughs) and I'm still living at home and I really don't know what I want to do. So when, but I actually went back to my careers department in, um, Ulster. So I was living back home in Donegal and I spoke to my careers advisor and they, we talked about courses and we looked at the business, masters in business. So I started that in 2010 full time for a year. Um, really enjoyed it, the placements through the summer, actually, with the motor industry. And then I joined PwC at the back end of that, just for like, it was a 3 day week temp job. Um, but everybody said to me, get in the door, show what you're made of, and you never know what will come out of it. So eight years later, I'm now here, still. Um, here you are, being interviewed. <laughs> I know, here I am. Must have done
0: something right. Fair my play. First,
2: my first... Uh, Podcast. Not
3: your
0: last, that's
3: for sure. Could be my last. We'll see how it goes.
0: (laughs) Great. And how about yourself?
3: Hi. So, um, my name is Louise Broderick, um, and I'm a manager at PwC. So, I've been with the firm coming up on five years now. Um, I've had a little bit of a different journey. Um, not quite as complex as Joanne's, but, um, so I actually ex- I actually joined the firm when I was living out in San Francisco. Oh, wow. Um, so I worked there for a while and then moved to New York. Um, and I worked pr- primarily in financial services while I was there. Um, then about three and a half years ago, I moved over to London where I'm still currently based, but actually luckily, Luckily enough, I'm out in Belfast here now, um, just working on a project for a couple of months, which I'm really enjoying. So kind of, um, I guess, as my careers went on, I really, I mean, I studied um, technology in schools. I did a degree in business information systems, so that was always kind of my remit. In the last couple of years, I focused more on emerging technologies, so AI, and currently I'm working in the blockchain team here in Belfast. Incredible. So I, at the moment, I do a dual role between kind of product and delivery. So really working with our clients, helping them understand the impact of blockchain and how, I guess, how it can help their organizations. So yeah, so um, yeah, I'm delighted to be here and looking forward to the questions.
0: Great. Thank you. We've got such a range of accents
4: on the mics. Mm-hmm. I'm loving it. What about yourself, sir? Uh, hello, my name's Adam. There you go, throwing another one into the mix. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm originally from um, Southwest London. And I'm doing my business placement uh, over here in Belfast. So I'm doing a four-year business degree at Loughborough University. And then the third year of that, I have to do a year in industry. Um, And I knew I wanted to do it with one of the big four firms. So I applied to PWC. Uh, in Leeds to do assurance, and then I got to my partner interview. But before I could do my partner interview, they filled the role, oh. um, so they said <laughs> I can apply to anywhere else. So I chose Belfast. Great. Um, so I'm over here. I've been here since July. I'm here until May. Um, looking forward to it. Should be a good, good couple of five months. Incredible. We're here. We're glad to have you. <laughs> <laughs> glad to be here. So, as we have mentioned, the four main areas
0: we're talking about today are decision making, planning, organization motivation and communication so i suppose it kind of makes sense to start with a plan that's where we should all start so on the kind of topic of planning on organization joanne how have you developed your ideas around it what i mean by that is like are there any mindsets any schools of thought old teachers colleagues podcasts, books like anything or anything that you have found helpful when kind of perfecting the art of planning and organizing your life which you've mentioned is very busy and also in the business world
2: um, I think they always say if you want something done, give a busy person yeah. jobs to do. So I get to get I get keeping uh, get told that's what I do. So um, I have always worked when I've been in PwC. I've been in a small team from the start, so there was only ever two of us. Um, I was very fortunate that I've been working with a really strong. She's now my senior manager, um, who is I call her Superwoman. She just nice. manages everything, um, and learning from her from a very early age was really good for me because. I have always juggled part-time work, um, sports, school and everything else that whenever I was growing up and going through school and uni. Um, but I think coming into professional services and like a large corporate firm, it was quite different because there was different expectations and your delivery. You're a bit more conscious about your delivery. So I think learning from her, we are very fortunate well, I'm sure everybody will say the same. The people that we work with are fantastic. Um, so I have like had senior mentors from I've started. So even at a really early age when I was just at assistant grade, I would have had managers and senior managers that I used as mentors. And it would be bouncing stuff of them because I work in student recruitment. And... Um, Busy time is extremely busy time. Yeah, I bet. it's whenever uni's on. We don't work, and probably what some of the other people do on projects. We could have twenty or thirty things literally going on at one time. And mm. um, this week alone, my team is managing thirty different events, and there's only five of us. So it's getting the resource from the business. So a lot. Of what I would do is sit down. We look ahead, um, and we do that on a regular basis, as in weekly. Um. And make sure that we are, um, make sure that we have the right people there, and um, we have everything that we need. Because the, all you would do whenever you're not structured is panic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the same in my home life as well. So it's organisation. Weekends are busy. Um, it's prepping for food for the week it's clothes laundry all get done at the sunday and everything's sitting ready for the full week because um my husband and i both be out at night doing events and doing our own um hobbies and stuff so it is really important otherwise i wouldn't be able to deliver at work and concentrate at work and the nine hours that i'm there during the day
0: interesting thank you thank you very much uh louise better maybe have a harder one for you but we're really trying to get real life examples and situations so i'm hoping you can tell me like a slam dunk you mentioned you were into basketball before the podcast started <laughs> a slam dunk moment where you kind of look back and you say you know what this was actually really successful in planning organization on my behalf here's your permission to, to big yourself up and, and kind of like walk us through one of those times oh,
3: okay thanks <laughs> <laughs> um so i mean like I probably myself wouldn't be the most organized person in the world, but I think, you know, planning is very important, particularly on the project I'm working on at the moment. We've got quite a range of um, expertise on the team Um and we kind of work in sprints. So we, you know, since I've come on to this team, I've really learned a lot about pro- product management and delivery and Actually, I've acknowledged the importance of sprint planning. So this is a meeting that we would have uh, Monday morning every two weeks um, to see what everybody has on their plate for the for the following two weeks. And then this also helps us to um, shape what the priorities of the product are or what do the development team need to do versus what do the go to market team need to do or the product team. So it's really um planning. And, you know, when you're kind of doing a delivery role, you need to understand what all those teams are, are focusing on. So, um, you know, while one person might need to do something before another one can pick up their tasks, that's really important. And we have a lot of tools that we use to help us with this. So um, Trello is one that we use oh, quite I a lot. I love Trello. Um, yeah, and yeah, I will pick that up. <laughs> what a up.
0: lifesaver that is.
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, you can see what everyone's working on. It's also really good for doing a roadmap. So that would maybe be like longer term planning. Um, but yeah, so I think, you know, I think, um, since I've come onto this, um, project, um, I've learned an awful lot about product and, you know, just using these tools and stuff, I think I've kind of, um, helped myself be a little bit more organized and really, um, accepted the importance of of planning
0: that's great and could you maybe just explain what trello is for some of the guys listening because it is so powerful um but i never knew about it until i started getting involved in business so
3: yeah um absolutely i think a good way of thinking about trello it's almost like a digital board where you can uh, stick post-its on and you can digitally move them so um we what we would call them is tickets so you would add a ticket you might have um three or four columns on your board so something like you know your long-term roadmap that could be one board but actually your um all the tasks that you need to get done in these two weeks could be put into a backlog. And then as you're working on them, you move them into the in progress column and then into review and then maybe into done. So it's just really an overarching view of everything that's happening in the project at one time. And we also, you know, we promote remote working in PwC and if people need to work from home, it's also it's great because no matter where you are, everyone's seeing the same thing in real time.
0: Yeah, that's class.
3: And you can assign, um, you know, you can assi- assign people to the tasks, you can see the due date, you can add checklists, all those kind of things that just just make um communication and visibility a little bit easier for everyone.
0: Class, yeah. Chris and I will uh, we'll put a wee link to Trello. It's, it's free, isn't it? There's a lot. Well, a lot of it is free for really what yeah. students and I would be using, isn't it? Yeah,
3: absolutely. I'm sure there are there are, um, features that you can pay for. But yeah, from what i am gathered, the, the bones of the functionality is free. So Yeah, yeah.
0: class. Thank you very much. Adam, going to land you with an absolute wild card here. Go for it. Uh, this is really about a time where you've made a mistake with planning an organization. It just so happened. I promise I'm not picking on you. You're just third on the list here. Uh, maybe a time where, you know, it didn't go as planned. What happened and what lessons you learned from that experience?
4: So, when something didn't go as planned. So, yesterday I was in. <laughs> Love, it. Love it,
0: man. Straight in. Stun, You're natural.
4: <laughs> so, yesterday I was doing the induction program for the new joiners to the business. Um, and as part of that, I had to deliver some content. I think it was 9.30 till 10.30. Um, and I got told that on s- Friday last week. So what I should have done um, in good planning style is checked over the content, made sure I knew what needed to be covered um, and how long it would take me to run through it. I didn't do that. So it came to yesterday morning, 9.30. I flew through the content in about half an hour. Um, <laughs> that meant that I had half an hour to kill with eight new joiners. Nice. Looking at me as if I was a bit of a mug because I had <laughs> nothing to say. Um Lessons learned from it, I would say, always plan ahead in advance and be conservative in your planning. So by that, I mean, give yourself time to plan Mm. um, for anything that could go wrong and give yourself time to understand the task ahead of you and how you're going to approach that in the best way possible. Um, Was there another thing you said? Mistake, lessons learned and? No, I think you absolutely nailed it, to be honest. Beautiful. Beautiful
0: class and i love how relevant the example was fair play to you (laughs) uh just a question for anyone really is outside of trello are there any real practical tools whether that is like i said a start like a theoretical mindset that you use or whether it's a software or just like a wee strategy that you kind of pull out every now and then to help you plan and organize oh don't all rush
3: uh, well, I think, you know, I think for me, it's nothing fancy. Like I always like try to do um a list of things I want to get done in that day and just stick a little box. When I have it done, I put the tick next to it. And um, yeah, it's definitely. just, you know what, it's so simple, but it's really effective because you can see by lunchtime, okay, I've got three things done or, and you can also see, okay, look, I'm not going to get that to that today. So just move it on to the next day. You can kind of almost prioritize, okay, what needs to be done, but it's just, it's just simple things like that, that, you know, that kind of help like in day to day. Getting things done.
0: Yeah, hundred percent.
3: And I think
2: it probably comes second nature to us because everybody does it in their role. But I think it's one of the biggest learning curves when you join a new business. Um, we have a new person that joined our team about six months ago. Had never really had a full time role before. She came out of uni, didn't have placement or anything. And I think it's only about now that she understands the importance of the to do list. Yeah, and like. You need to write the to-do list because otherwise it doesn't get done. <laughs> yeah. And you need to actually look at it. So it's something that I spend 15 minutes a week. On a Tuesday morning with her, and we go through the to do list. Nice. And now she has just aced it. She's brilliant. brilliant. She's everything done. She's aware of what needs done and she's, um, plans ahead. Because without that, there was stuff getting missed. She wasn't sure how long it was going to take her to do a task. And then it could have been three, four weeks later. So I think it's something we all do in a roles every day now. We don't really think about it. Um, and then just another thing is we are fortunate that we use Google for work now. So as, um, Lisa said, "All ex- it's live documents, so we would use it as our team, and everything goes in, so it gets updated when something's That's always awesome. ticked off, Brilliant. rather than the old way of Excel and not knowing what everything yeah. was doing." So, do you have the right
0: it, version? Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Google Sheets, Google Forms are used a lot with us, and it's re- it's it's made the way of working much easier cool so if they are working in uni and working on assignments or different thing that live worksheet makes such a difference and yeah. people can make change and they're saved and stuff so
0: brilliant so the mighty to-do list is still standing yeah, strong it's yeah still there. Absolutely. right so i'll full disclosure here i'll be completely honest i love lists and i have loads of lists you see my trailer it's absolutely mad but and I, i'm guessing other people are like this too i sometimes have a tendency to maybe overstretch myself have a tendency to maybe put too many things on the to-do list. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that's FOMO, fear of missing out, or whatever it is. Um, I think a lot of people, a lot of students as well are gonna be in the same boat.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you go about, as we move into kind of the decision making portion of this conversation, mm-hmm. how do you go about prioritizing what decisions to make, what things to actually execute? Because you can plan all day and plan away, but ultimately it's the execution of those plans that really matter. So uh, Joanne you know how do you go about prioritizing particularly the scarce things in life you know our time the budget of the company or even just like the team members that you have uh, to work
2: well you need to look at firstly what is what is the task in hand like what is the return on them what are they going to get for us Um are they worth spending that time sitting aside? So we would get loads of requests to do different events, attend different sessions, etc. Um, but we've had to, at the start, we would have said yes, yes, yes to every single one. Um, unfortunately, now we can't. So it's what would we get out of it? How would it benefit us? And then that's how we would make the decision in that. Depending schools-wise, we would do a lot of work with schools. Um, and we we're building relationships with schools but now it's like living once a year we attend that school what year group we see in there are we making the best of our time there when we're there so that's the kind of decision we'd make weekly in our weekly catch ups um, and then just really the return on investment for the firm for cool.
0: that So kind of like back in that back a Mm -hmm. wee bit back in that back backing that up a wee bit how do you actually then decide what your core your core goals are because you're basically saying we only take on stuff that benefits us and drives forward our vision or whatever it is but how do you actually then make the decision before that how do you decide what those key
2: things are so each year we'll have a focus we'll have our strategy for the year that we pull together Uh, it's usually we start looking at it now for the following year because we work on academic year Um, in my team. So we will have a focus. So the firm will be looking at where they're going the next five years. What we do feeds into that. So it comes from the top down. So it comes from our chair and um, that feeds into my student recruitment lead. And then we sit down as a team then and we look at what we will do to support the NI firm. So it's probably quite similar in everybody else's um role. Um because obviously at the end of the day we are a business. Yeah. <laughs> um even though I'm an internal support function, what we do impacts over so the right people with the right <clears throat> skill set coming into the firm. So to get those people we need to attend x, y and z events because that's where we will attract those people from Yeah, and then obviously building our network around Northern Ireland and further afield so we would have dip- typically been an accountancy firm and um, what we're known as tech is now a huge part so trying to get PwC known as prof- professional services and that they're one of the key um, companies within the tech field um, I think we're getting there I think it's a lot better than what it used to be but um, that has changed our mindset quite a bit
0: brilliant So a question for you, Louise, and actually Adam, how do you, when it comes to making decisions, you know, a lot of people can feel lost. A lot of people can be like, I don't know what direction to do. Don't know what to say yes to, don't know what to say no to. But how do you make the choice between backing yourself as in like, I've made a decision, I'm sticking to this, I'm being committed, I'm seeing this through to the end with actually learning when to pivot and not being afraid to maybe change direction. How do you kind of walk that tightrope?
3: Um, yeah, so it's a good question. And I think just like taking it back to kind of the idea of like managing your time and decision-making and that, I think you really need to use your team as much as you can or ask for advice, say, you know, if you're not too sure, should I do this or should I do that? Because I think, you know, this is going to take me three days or something like that. So, you know, don't be afraid to ask other people for advice um, that you work with. Um, then in terms of, you know, making the decision for yourself, um, It's really important that you know all the factors so or all the, the things that might influence that decision. And I would always say it's really important to ask the person who's probably closest to the problem. Um, Don't jump into a decision. It's really, you know, it's really important that you do the research and you know, what are the implications if we go this way as opposed to the other way um but yeah and i think uh when you haven't made that decision like don't be afraid to challenge yourself Mm. or to think okay have i made the right decision you know um as i already said you know ask other for other people's opinions um and just like really you know don't be afraid to say oh i was wrong in that let you know let's rewind a little bit let's go down a different course i think that that's all very important and you know (laughs) like we're human that's natural it's natural to make (laughs) mistakes yeah so yeah don't be afraid
4: awesome thanks um sure so when should you back yourself versus knowing when to pivot um i guess there's a couple of ways of looking at that question the way i'm going to focus on is back yourself when you're confident in your own beliefs and when you're confident that you're right so if someone asks me do you think two plus two is four i I know the answer is four you can back yourself
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i'm gonna back myself but
4: as a as a 22 year old if someone says to me oh okay so how would i deal with this legal document I'd be like, oh, okay, maybe I should pivot, maybe I should get some help. So I guess it comes down to the extent to which you're correct. Um, And then building on that a little bit, I feel like you should probably always pivot if there is any doubt at all in your mind. So unless you're 100% steadfastly confident in what you think and the decision you believe you're going to make, then you should just be a little bit careful, take a step back, analyze the situation, analyze the team that you're working with. And then if there's anyone else with more knowledge than you, then talk to them. It's awesome, dude, thanks.
0: You know, we've or it's already been mentioned, but to you know to err is human. It's just going to happen. It's natural. Joanne, what do you do when you make the wrong decision? What do you do when it goes wrong?
2: Admit it. Um, there's nothing wrong. As Adam said, we all make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Um, and I think it's one thing I've definitely learned: just hands up, you did something wrong, um, and then we deal with it, and then it's a learning. It always is. You'll learn from it. You'll not do it again. You'll think about if it's an event you're planning and something went wrong, you'll you'll think about the mistakes you made and you'll learn from them. But what i would say, own up and then um, get support. We have great teams around us um, and we use our teams and asking them, as Adam said, when you're not sure about something, speak up. Somebody else will help you. They're not sure of the answer, they'll guide you somewhere else. And we've been seeing for students, use... All the contacts you have at university, people you might not even know, reach out to see they'll guide you to someone else. And um, no matter what it is, and um, um, speaking to people is fantastic in regards to helping you, and um, and give you the guidance. You're not expected to know everything, no matter if it's job, if it's uni, you're not an expert. So yeah,
0: well that's reassuring because yeah. I know especially like for guys mm. like me and Adam, mm. really young, yeah. just moving into the workplace, there is this real expectation, this real pressure of actually you got to get it right. And actually, when something does go wrong, the, my natural tendency anyway is to just bury it and try to, okay, figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. So how do you kind of challenge that mindset? i not sure why we have it. I'm not even necessarily want to ask why, but how do you challenge that?
2: Um, I've came across quite a bit in my team. I have quite a few junior members that have been in my team over the time, and they've had that reaction there's something that's went wrong and they haven't (laughs) said it. We, I would like to think that I'm approachable and they can just speak. Um, It hasn't happened in quite a while, but it's like, just say to me, just say, right, there's something going on here. I probably shouldn't have made that decision and it's probably the wrong decision. So can you, um, can you help me with it? Uh, I think it's just knowing that it's open, honest conversations. Um, We always say to all our graduates, all our undergraduates joining the firm, we just require you to have a certain level of degree. We don't require you to have any require you to have any experience. We train you. So Adam knows Adam's part of the training team for Operate. We train you up in everything that we need you to know. Um so your first few years, let's say your first first, second year within the firm, you're still training, you're mm-hmm. still learning as you go. So what I would say is just have that conversation with someone. Don't ever be scared, it'll be ten times worse if you just hate it yeah <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the problem just gets bigger but just speak up and um, and you won't get shot. you definitely won't get shouted you'll get supported that's awesome. guidance
0: fair play louise I'm going to pick on you this time uh with the challenge question any times any situations any examples you can give of where you've either faced a really difficult decision you had to make or perhaps you made the wrong decision in hindsight what you would do differently all that sort of stuff
3: um yeah, so I mean, we have to make decisions every day, and um, I think you know, uh, John already spoke a lot about p w c and how we work internally, but I think for us as well, it's a lot about taking into account our clients' expectations, so um you know, understanding what the client wants and what we can actually give them. So often our clients actually want more for less um and I think you know there there's been a time in the past where. We are so focused on what we know we can deliver that we kind of, we, you know, we can tend to like lose track of actually what the client wants and what the client expects. So that's something that's happened to me in the past. And it's, it's kind of um, working with your team to say, okay, have we kind of, gone a little bit too far without um you know without re-engaging the client at every stage that we can. So it's really important this thing of continuous feedback. Um, so we always try to work really closely with the client, show them the progress on at least every two weeks um, and then kind of you know get from them what are their expectations for the coming two weeks or for the project and if anything has changed. Um, so that's one that's kind of happened in the past and we've actually just had to take a step back. And kind of go back to the drawing board. So yes, we might have lost a couple of days or maybe a week or two of work, but actually getting it right and, you know, satisfying the clients is is quite an important, it's basically the important thing for us. Um so yeah, I think that's just one example of, you know, things don't always run smoothly.
0: Yeah, that's class. And I mean it's almost like this is planned because you've perfectly taken us into number three communication, (laughs) kind of like on this topic and on this train of thought you know communication massive massive topic Yeah, pwc delivers professional services you've mentioned the client let's talk about the client how important is it to have good communication with Um, your clients i'm just going to set that there and you're just going to run with it here i bet
3: yeah absolutely i mean communication is key whether it's internal whether it's external you know and there's you know, in today's environment, we're using so many different tools to communicate, but we need to, like, not forget the importance of that personal connection. So I always think of communication as two ways. So there's obviously somebody delivering a message, but there's also a role for the listener or the receiver of that message. So this whole idea of active listening is quite important um, in terms when we think about our clients. So client, can just
0: explain that a wee bit. What do you mean by active listening?
3: So when you're active listening, you're not only sitting there listening, but you're actually thinking about, you know, what's coming next in the conversation or how can I contribute to this conversation? Um, You might o- almost th- um also think about it in if you're doing a presentation, you want to gain that feedback while you want to engage your audience. But you also want to you want to know what they're thinking about as well. Yeah. Um. And how do you make presentations engaging? How do you keep people engaged and how do you um. How do you make your audience want to know what's coming next? So um, that's all kind of part of communication. Yeah. Um, and sorry,
0: just because yeah. I know a lot of people listening, like myself, like Adam, <coughs> like you guys, you've been through school. You have sat through, you know, how many classes we sat through in our lifetime? God only knows. Uh, sat through university we can get really good at pretending to listen. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like we can get really good at nodding the head and like, "Mm," you're like, you're maybe even you're like, "Mm," you're kind of fake writing notes. (laughs) But how can you actually really, like you're saying, active listening, how can you stay really present? Even if the conversation maybe isn't the most exciting thing in the world, even if it's maybe starting to get into nitty gritty details, like you were saying earlier, Adam, legal documents, that sort of stuff where I have to be really focused. How can you really stay active and present in that uh, listening
3: environment? Yeah, I mean, that kind of sounds like that's more the role of the presenter or the person delivering, (laughs) Um, you know, making sure that the presentation is engaging, that you're using different things, not just, you know, slides that are full of text. Yeah. So, you know, we always um, try to use, you know, put as little as much as little as possible on the slide, but actually deliver the message or, and always use examples as well. It's a really good way. If people in the audience can relate to something that you're saying, then their ears will perk up and say, oh, that actually did happen to me one time, or that's like, you know, something. Mm-hmm. So it's to be relatable is very important. Mm-hmm. Um So, yeah, I think, you know, that's kind of, you know, using different methods for delivering that ma- delivering messages is a good way and you know whether we like it or not people are not going to be engaged if what you're telling them is just not interesting so yeah thinking outside the boxes is is always a good way i'm just going to come back a little bit to you mentioned about how do we communicate with clients and making sure our clients um you know, they're getting the, the right messages. So, you know, we we mentioned um, in terms of our product management, we like to play back what we've built or, you know, the status of the project every two weeks to the client. And we'll generally, generally do that um, face-to-face where possible or over a Hangout or something um, and give them a demo of, okay, here's um, what we've produced in the last two weeks. Are you happy with it? Any feedback? Just to make sure that we're all on the same page again. So I know in the Trello and Slack, all these tools can also be used with clients. And we actually use Slack internally um, in PwC for our team. And it's it's really useful when it comes to communication.
0: And uh, again, just what is Slack? You know, a lot of people outside of the business world. I know I never heard of Slack until I moved into a co-working space.
3: (laughs) Okay, yeah. So Slack, again, it's a tool that you can use for instant chat. So, um and you can set up groups. I mean, we also have Google Chat as well in PwC, which is really helpful and Hangouts, which I already mentioned. So there are so many different tools. Um, I think, um, you know, Slack is good for, because you can communicate individually with people on your team, but, you know, you can have that kind of the the team chat. It's very similar as well to WhatsApp, but I guess it just has those extra layers, of, layer of security. Um, and also you can share documents on it as well. Yeah, it's it's really like chat for the workplace. Yeah.
0: WhatsApp for Yeah. (laughs) For business. business, That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Unbelievable. Thanks. Uh you made a really, really great point about the importance of making your communication engaging when you're the one delivering it. Mm -hmm. Um Joanne, I would really love to know like any communicators that you really look up to and i'm not talking about like big keynote speakers that you go and you're like waving your hands in the air you're like yeah these guys are awesome but even just like something simple like i really really like how louise writes her emails or i love how adam can just like organize a meeting and just be very very clear like is there anyone that you're like i love how they communicate and i suppose the follow-up question would be why like what do you like about their communication what can we learn from it
2: We get like a monthly, not monthly, sorry, a weekly update from my... Leeds, so she's based in Leeds. Uh, she's the Director of Student Lead recruitment. Leeds from Leeds, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> she No, Leeds from Leeds. All so. oh, right. <laughs> Her name is Louise as well. Um, nice. But we have a team that works, um, like we have a survey that we do, you matters about employee engagement and we have a team within Student Equipment of that and they look at how we, um, the well-being of our people and that was something that came up and how updates were sent to us and how we're um, kept in touch with what's happening. So it's all... Because of the technology systems we have now, things are interactive. Um, they announced some big news. We use like platforms like Twitter and stuff, but um, content stuff to release stuff within our own team. I think it's just rather than the typical email sent through mm. saying, this is now what's happening. It's the tech that we're able to use um, to make it just a bit more engaging. Yeah. And you kind of get bought in. Whenever we were talking, the PwC NI and um, was releasing their move into the new office in Merchant Square. And um, there was kind of like a Twitter, can't correct me anybody, but it was like, yeah. it they only revealed it after like so many people, 500 people retweeted ah, this tweet. Cool. But, so we, all we knew was there was big news been launched that day. And then after it was tweeted, retweeted 500 times, it was announced that we're moving in 2020 to wow. city centre cool. to a, a new purposeful building to hold 3,800 staff. Oh so, my goodness. <laughs> and we are now um, all part of, like, we're all writing our wish list in the moment. So I think, as Louisa said, it's how it's delivered. That could have easily just been an email through. From our head of PwC and I to say we're now relocating, but it engaged everybody in the firm. People were like, I think we're coming up all mad ideas about what was <laughs> being happening, but it actually meant that day I was sitting glued to Twitter to see what was happening. Yeah. Um, and I think it was a really nice way to do it other than your standards. So anything that engages your audience gets them bought in. Usually anything that's short, sweet and gets the point in a fun way usually does it. And there's so many ways of doing that now, in your traditional uh email
0: yeah and let, well let me ask you both a very personal question how many emails do you think you write a week
2: <laughs> I, well i'm really email heavy i don't know about louise like i just set my laptop uh so i if i'm off for a week it could easily have over a thousand emails but that's because i work with students all the time and sure. i let you we just sit on it i don't really have like all my traffic would be email traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So you we're really talking to the email pro then. So the next question would of course be like best practices for communicating over email because there are <coughs> some people who do it brilliantly and there are some people who do it very very poorly.
2: Well, we uh, we have quite an informal um we use quite informal tone in the office like our language. It doesn't like like D or whatever it's just high so I think it's nice to the point I think it's nice there is there's people like train the new starts up and branded and stuff if required but um nice short and sweet some people can get offended by some emails and how they're signed off and stuff Um, I do think if there's something you need to get a point across that maybe email isn't the appropriate way I always encourage my team to lift the phone if the people are based in the office I advise them to go to that person Meet that person face to face, maybe to ask about coming to an event or updating them on something. And um, I'd encourage them to do it because I think emails a bit, well, I think it's a bit silly if you're sitting in the office and you can't have that face to face communication. Yeah. And that's about building relationships as well. And obviously their own networks within the firm. And um, my emails is literally just, I just go through, I delegate a lot of them. And um, a lot of them is just. Students asking questions, so yeah. reference our website. Um, but no, getting through them, prioritizing them. They're, I star them, I have separate folders for priority stuff, and I just have a folder then I keep stuff that is not priority that I'll pick up whenever I have that time to cool. do that.
0: And any software tools, anything you use to make your communication better or more streamlined or anything like that?
2: No, we use Google for work. So um, and now, predicts your messages for you, which is fantastic. So when you're writing an email, <coughs> it'll stick in the names and everything, wherever you're writing it to. Unreal. So whenever you start your sentence, it finishes it for you. So I find it great. Yeah, I love it.
4: It's we a little bit it. creepy, the yeah. accuracy and the auth- <laughs> Yeah, it populates the email perfectly. It's yeah, so it's exactly creepy. That's exactly
2: what you're about to say. So it's actually just tab and that's your sentence finished. So we're done. But I think it's whenever you're using emails and any communication, it's the tone. Think of how it's... So I think whenever... If I'm emailing senior people within the firm, so we're quite closely with a few of the partners, I would think about I would obviously reread my email if I'm emailing so outside. So, um, any of my university contacts, you do reread it to ensure there isn't errors or grammar mistakes because it doesn't say an awful lot about yourself. So, stuff like that. My team, it could be very short and sweet. It could be yeah. my name won't even be signed off, but they know exactly Yeah. How to take offense.
0: Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, they know who you are. So, yeah. why bother? Yeah. yeah. Great. Adam, how have you had to change the way you communicate coming from a university um, kind of outside environment into this more corporate workplace environment? So, if at all, maybe you didn't. Maybe you've been just solid.
4: No, no, no. <laughs> definitely not. Um, technologically, I'd say I haven't had to change my communication style that much, obviously, because I had to email tutors and lecturers. So it was always quite professional to an extent sort of dear tutor and then good grammar good spelling good punctuation etc <laughs> um in terms of face-to-face stuff i don't know whether i should say this but there have been a couple of mistakes made by me in terms of um some of my language and a couple of swear words Adam, I'm, I'm not, i honest you are, this is fast. <laughs> I may or may not have used the f word yesterday in front of my senior manager i'm gonna censor you in this podcast everyone's gonna <laughs> think you have a foul mouth just adding poops everywhere <laughs> um Yeah, but I have had to change my communication style a bit to be more professional, to be more respective. And I think something that I've definitely noticed that I've changed, I don't know if I've had to change it, is I listen more to what people have to say. So I think at university I was always quite keen on getting my ideas across to people when working in a group whereas coming into a professional work environment, especially as a student, I'm quite inexperienced compared to some people who have 20, 30 years of experience on me. So I've taken a much more of a backseat role in terms of communication, if awesome. if you will.
0: Yeah, cool. And Louise, my understanding—no, I don't. I'm trying to get my head around your role and what you do <laughs> and everything like that. But I imagine that communication is really important for kind of like the project management side and making sure the projects are moving forward, making sure all the moving parts are being done as they should, and that everyone is kind of completing their work. So I suppose yeah. first of all, it's pretty obvious, but. Like how important is communication when there are so many moving pieces involved? And then more specifically, how do you kind of manage all those, all those different people, all those moving parts? Is there any kind of best practices you've picked up?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, communication is, it's really important. I think, um, one thing that we do every morning, we would have a stand up. So just 15 minutes, everybody touch base on. What is a
0: stand up? This is something I've been hearing recently. I only knew stand up from comedy, but all the business people are like, Oh yeah, i just had a quick five minute stand up, mate. I was like, Oh, what's that?
3: So a stand up is essentially, is essentially, um, a catch up with the team. Everybody's standing. The idea of everyone standing is to keep it quick. You know, you say what you need to say. Maybe you say some of the tasks that you've completed, what you've got on your plate for the day, but it's, it's not really an idea of giving a status of where you are, but it's just more so everybody on the team knows what everyone's working on. And if there's any things that are dependent on some tasks. So we do that every morning at like 10, 10 AM, it takes about 10 to 15 minutes. Sometimes it might go on a little bit longer if there's other things, but that's a really effective, um, way of communicating as a team. Um, and then, you know, we do work as well. I mean, I've previously worked um, in a global role at PwC, so that can include, you know, um, working with all our different network of firms. So I might be communicating with people in different time zones. Um, so how do you get that right? And how do you, you know, use the right channels for that? So, um, and I also think it's very important to know the recipients of your communication. So, you know, as Joanne already said, if you're um if you're emailing more senior people then you know you might change your tone a little bit um but yeah just going back to kind of um communicating globally we you know you need to um so like i guess if we did like a conference call or something like that then you want to make it sure it's it's at a time where the key people can attend so all those kind of things um and you know we st- we still like so we're, we're based in Belfast, but we work a lot with people in the UK. But it's it's ensuring that um, if they're also on our team, that they feel part of the team. So, you know, trying to have that face-to-face time every so often is also important.
0: That's great. And, and this is a bit of a random question, but like, how do you guys manage with so many employees and stuff? Things like birthdays, things, especially for remote workers or trying to have that kind of personal relationship with people who you're maybe not spending a lot of time with, because that is a big part of team building, communication, any kind of, tips or anything like that
2: so i recruitment team obviously are in every region so there's um six of us here but we would come together at least twice a year face to face cool um so june coming we're all in manchester for the day and that'll involve probably strategy stuff in the morning team stuff in the afternoon and then social at night nice and christmas we always come together and usually early september kicking off for the season ahead and we all are in my team obviously I'm internal uh, we're all recruitment but we all work with our sub teams within that that we would do as well so we might be a recruiter for Belfast consultancy but we might help um, develop our early ID programs which is like interns placements so those teams might meet face to face as well so I always encourage our team here to work on some of the smaller projects that are going on within some of the other regions so then they get to get to know their team a bit better um, as Louise said, we use Hangout um quite a bit. So it was really good when it came on board because it's literally video calling. So you get to see face to face because you do speak to a lot of people, but at least you get to put that face to the name and you have that more interaction between them. Um they are trying to in our team they're trying to encourage um uh coffee coffees and learn so it's literally having a virtual coffee with somebody that you don't really know Because <laughs> so our team changes quite a bit so there's just like 15 minutes put in our diary once a month and that's where you will just have a call or hang out with someone that you haven't met before and you'll have a coffee in each of your own offices a Digital coffee, yeah, like and a... it's just to talk about anything other than work it's just about yourself you personalize and get to know that person Um, because you don't really know what challenges people face you just expect everybody to be able to get up and go so it's nice to know a bit more about the person person and understand them and it means working together is a lot easier then but you no know, that's what we do in our team i know no, it's class <laughs>
0: and i suppose like having that relational aspect to your work is so important for staying motivated and staying, like, keeping your energy levels up and also just, like, enjoying yeah. your work and enjoying yeah. what you're doing.
2: And I think to know that when it's busy, it's busy for everybody, um, no matter where you're based, if it's Leeds, if it's Edinburgh, if it's wherever it is, Bristol, and we're all in the same place. Learning, especially for the junior members of the team, learning from their peers because there might be somebody that's might have been in that grade a couple of years, somebody new has joined the firm. So sharing that experience, so each of our, we have... We're slightly different. We just have assistant um, officer and then manager. And the same, it goes on ahead up. But we would have peer group meetings. So I have a manager call with all the managers in Recruitment UK wide. And that's where we would kind of like debrief each other, ask what they're doing, get support from them. And that makes learning A lot easier especially if you're a new manager compared to experienced manager and especially whenever um you're finding a bit more about managing the teams there's quite quite a jump up so how do they learn how do they find the jump what skills or what um could i like what could i pick up and learn from them that could help develop my team here
0: yeah awesome and kind of on this last point Mm -hmm. here of motivation we talked a little bit about trying to keep your team motivated trying to make sure that everyone feels involved and all that sort of stuff but how do you guys personally like motivate yourselves, you know, because like in kind of the busyness of life and the challenges we face mm. inside of work and outside of work, you know, there's times never you can feel like you're draining the tank a wee bit. Mm. So anything that you guys do in particular to kind of keep yourself motivated so that you can go out and motivate your clients and motivate your team and everything like that?
3: Yeah, I mean, well, we kind of, I guess, uh, once a year, we all like write our personal goals. So what we want to get out of the year ahead, um, whether that's, you know, in terms of like your career or, you know, some tasks you want to achieve. Um So that's good. And it's good to kind of, you know, we also have like um mid-year check-ins with our what we call our people managers. So they're like our coaches or our mentors. Um But it's good to kind of come back to them because they might actually change as the year goes on. But really, it's understanding what you want to achieve. So, you know, you might want to go for a promotion next year. um, And it's kind of what do I need to do to get there? Um, So that's that's kind of one thing that I think is important to stay motivated um, another thing, it's, it's also really important to, I guess, do what you enjoy doing. So if you're not happy in a role that you're doing, you know, don't be afraid to speak up and say, I don't really feel like this is suited towards what my career progression or my career goals are. Um, and, you know, people will always be willing to take that feedback. And if there's something they can do, they will do that. Um, when you're early in your career, I would very much so, um, recommend, you know, seeing what's out there and seeing what's available. So in PwC, there are so many different teams and there's so many different roles you can do. And I think PwC does try to offer people the chance to do um, a couple of different things. So I know with our Foundation for the Future program, you can go into various different subcom or yeah, competencies for a couple of months and then decide which you feel is the right fit for you um but then you can just do um little things day to day so such as like hot desking you know you might want to sit with a different team find out what they're doing or just like build your relationships and network so to find out what's out there um so i think once you find your right fit you will you know naturally be motivated yeah to to do well and to reach your reach your potential i think
0: brilliant And Adam, you are in a very unique position because, you know, you've just come from studying, you're in a new country, you're in a new environment, you're at a completely different workplace. You know, I'm sure times get tough. I'm not looking for a massive confessional or anything, but, you know, how do you keep yourself motivated? I'm sure you're juggling lots of different things, whether it's, you know, finding a new community while you're here, whether it is figuring out how to do the new job or even if it's just you know I don't know how much uni work you've got on at the minute and stuff as well. But how do you kind of stay motivated in, in the hard in the hard times, man?
4: In the hard times, um, I stay motivated through two things. So initially, when I thought about this before the podcast, I had two things, but then Louise brought up such an important point about goal setting. Um, Go Thank anyway- Louise. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone listening, I'd recommend them to read a book called, I think it's Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hills, I think is his last name. And it basically talks about the importance of goal setting and the importance of visualizing your goals towards motivating yourself and towards achieving things. Um, so that's number one. Number two is, I don't know if this is, yeah, bad, but it's <laughs> the fear of regret, I guess, and the fear of not taking every opportunity possible. So when I was 17... Um, I sat some exams and I didn't. I didn't do badly, but I didn't do as well as I thought I could have done. And ever since then, I've had this feeling of regret in me, thinking mm. I could have done so much better. I could have performed at such a higher level. Um, and yeah, something that motivates me is willing or wanting to stay away from that kind of regret again. Not wanting to waste an opportunity. Not yeah. There you go.
0: Yeah. So kind of using past experiences to push you forward for the future. Yeah. Exactly that. Yeah. Awesome. Joanne gonna start to land the plane with yourself because uh you let a juicy wee nugget slip the fact that you only had like half an hour sleep (laughs) last night so you know whenever personal life can you know go up and down with time and with pressure and with challenges and even with great things as well you know you're coming in today you haven't had a lot of sleep uh how do you stay motivated you know in your day-to-day you not only do you have to be super mom but you also have to be super employee when you're a pwc how do you kind of keep all that moving
2: I honestly think it's the team that's around me daily so I have a team there's five five and me six of us but um they honestly keep you motivated so no matter what happens they're there if I have to leave early they're there but coming in this morning no one had no sleep (laughs) they are still there and they're like come on just going ahead I'll pick up that and you do that so it makes such a difference whenever you know you have a team around you it's not like everything is sitting on your shoulders Mm. we had a team meeting at 10 this morning so it was really looking at the next um fortnight ahead and what's happening when there's so much going on but see coming out of that at 11 and just like right we're good we're all right to go because we were totally organized we split everything up everybody knows where they're at the team keep me motivated awesome they tell me that they I motivate them but I don't see that but they motivate me to do and they're such a high performing team as well so I always feel like I'm trying to keep up with them but the feedback that I get is Louise said, we do give feedback regularly to each other to see how we're doing and just from returning back in September I do ask for feedback quite a bit because the role is new to me because I'd moved teams and the positions the grades new to me so just to ensure I know what I'm doing but Honestly, it's the team and the people around me. If I didn't have them, it probably would be a struggle. People say, why do you not work from home today? If I work from home today, I would have produced nothing because yeah. <laughs> I would have been tired. I wouldn't have had that interaction with the people. I just actually like coming into the office and speaking with the team. You get the energy that points us off them. And it keeps you going. And there's a buzz in the office. The office is busy. And there's always somebody to talk to. There's yeah. people that's been in my positions that... Children have now grew up a bit, um. So because my daughter was up last night, it was nice to hear from other people she said being there, done that. It gets yeah. better. You'll be fine. Whenever she gets a little bit bigger, she'll be okay, and you know it's going to be all right. So I think it's nice to hear that and have that comfort, not just in a work but in a personal, um, life and experience as well. It's nice to have those people around you.
0: Yeah. Awesome so one final question kind of just leave it to all of you so you can say something if you want if you don't want to that's fine and that really simply is if you could kind of take yourselves so for some of us is closer than others Adam if you could take yourself let's say whenever you were 18 just finished secondary school um, what advice would you give yourself if you could impart one bit of leadership wisdom onto yourself what would it be?
2: I think it's kind of what Adam touched on. Don't ever have any regrets. Um, I probably didn't do well. I didn't. I didn't do any professional work experience. I wasn't really sure about what I wanted to do, so I went off and did my degree in sport. Probably wasn't the right thing for me, but I just thought oh, I'll do it. Um, I think it's really grab every opportunity that comes. Um, if there's work experience opportunities, whenever you're in secondary school, do it. Um, if you're if you know somebody that knows somebody, ask, because you never know what opportunities there is. Experience everything. And as Louise touched on, whenever you have a passion for something, it doesn't you are motivated. It doesn't feel like you're going to work. You're going to do something you enjoy every day. Yeah. Um and I really think just go for it. And if, if you we always say the students that apply to us, come and experience us. You might absolutely hate us and think, I definitely don't want to work there, but you've ticked it off your list. Or you might come and think, I really like it there. That's where I want to be excellent for us but come and experience it Um, and I would say that for and do that with all different firms
3: as well. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I would agree totally with that. I think as well, just like have no fear, you know, be able to back yourself. So, I mean, especially with um, the younger, the millennials nowadays, mm. they know so much about technology coming into these jobs and, you know, they, they might even know more than the partners themselves. So don't be afraid to speak up and, you know, say your opinion if you think you know something. You might not always be right, but the earlier you start doing that, the more you'll be able to, it'll become more natural to you. So, yeah, I think just have no fear. Brilliant.
4: Adam, and any
0: closing words of wisdom?
4: Uh, yeah, just to finish off, I think, so obviously I'm only 22, so I can't say that I have that much experience back yourself, in life. Back bro. <laughs> but no, I'm going about myself. <laughs> so my one piece of advice would be read as much as you possibly can. Um, when you think about it conceptually, so take, for example, a management guru who's now 70 years of age. He's got 50 years of experience, and he can put that in a book and you could download that information in 300 pages. And that applies across every single aspect of your life, whether it's management, decision-making, nutrition, absolutely anything. Um, So my one piece of advice would be read as much as humanly possible.
0: Wow, that was great.
1: Chris, how do you feel like that went? Were you surprised by the answers? Did it go as expected? Yeah, well, I thought it was fantastic. There was a real sort of difference between each of the answers, which allowed for, I guess, different applications of the same leadership skills. And I guess what the biggest surprise for me was that technology played such a key role in, in all of the the things that, and challenges that they were bringing up and how technology is actually the solution to a lot of those. And you know, we'll, we'll put a couple of links uh, with the podcast, just on uh, some of the software that was mentioned. But I didn't expect that to be such a big focus um, before we started. Unreal. And what are the next steps for the students who've just tuned in? So the next steps, Matt, are really digesting what what they've just heard and uh, applying that to their leadership portfolio that they'll be completing as part of the course. So understanding how they can take some of the um, examples and and case studies, I guess, from today and, and apply that to their life but also to think about situations that they might face as student leaders at the moment or just applying them to situations they're aware of from the news or whatever that might be and how the advice that they've got today could be implemented in that type of situation. Unbelievable. And what was your biggest takeaway from today? Oh, that's a tough one. I guess what we got today was Adam in particular. Was yeah. fantastic. <laughs> He's it, He's, uh, yeah. For a 22 year old placement student, it just shows you that if you apply yourself and if you really, as Adam had mentioned there in the, in the podcast about really taking every opportunity that you get, the biggest takeaway was that for a 22 year old to know that at this stage, um, and to be able to advise, you know, our students that are listening to the course, but also us in the room as well, it was inspiring. And the students completing this program are aware of that. They've, they've taken this opportunity to get this additional qualification alongside their degree. So I just would, reiterate what what Adam said and that is to make the most of the opportunities available to you. In, in the case of, of our students, that's why they're a student at Ulster University ample opportunities to develop themselves uh, for preparing for graduation whether that's a graduate job or starting their own business and it's it's just taking advantage of that while they can class
0: well guys thank you very very much for listening really really appreciate it my name is matthew thompson i run a local podcast called best of belfast if you love podcasts and you love northern ireland and you want to learn more from local leaders you can check that out you can search it it's on spotify apple podcast google podcast pretty much everywhere podcasts
1: are available and i've had The epic Chris Shannon here with me today as well. Thank you for your time, Chris. I'll I'll give you another shameless plug, (laughs) and that is that I know, like from listening to Matt's podcast myself, you've interviewed a number of leaders from across Northern Ireland, whether that's you know Michael Dean and others from the you know the, the digital sector and around Northern Ireland. So again, for the students listening today definitely log on check it out because uh, there's some really good contextual interviews there that could again be applied to the portfolio you'll be working on so thank you matt a really good discussion and getting all of those key gems out of out of uh, joanne louise and adam i really appreciate it
0: absolute pleasure guys thank you very much for listening and hope to catch you soon see you later